0: Thanks for listening to Open the Word. Today, we're throwing it back and dusting off an episode from the archives. We've had some great conversations over a decade of radio ministry that deserve to be heard again, so you might hear some new voices and old references, but we hope you still enjoy these episodes. You found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. I'm Missy, and today I'm with Carol and Joanne and Dawn. Dawn, thanks for coming back and bringing—actually, you brought a book with you, and I think that's awesome. It's Actually, one of the global priority solutions books called Unlock
1: Communication Between Generations.
0: Yeah. Timely, timely uh, study to get into
1: yeah i really enjoy studying generations and feel like it's something that god's put on my heart it's not just something that like oh i'm interested in that because i don't when i really dig into something it's because god puts it in my heart to say you need to dig into that like he puts the interest there and i know that that's true so i do a lot of studying a lot of research i do personal research in my home because i've got millennials and gen z's and i'm an Xer, and my parents are boomers so i've got all these different things going on but also just online through books through movies. I mean, there's all different ways that you can gain access to understand. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage people, you know, take a look at the relationships in your life and figure out how you can add value and influence in each one and especially don't give up. That's the main thing. Just Mm -hmm. never give up. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is tough because here's what I want to throw out too, because I was thinking about this this morning is that between generations, you already have some built in blockages for you. Like there's already going to be some separations, but add to that. There are people who are going through things with kids with addictions, Mm -hmm. mental illness, things like that. I mean, this is just, I'm talking about just operating in the best of circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's hard. You throw that in. And I mean, I may give suggestions that aren't good for someone mm-hmm. that's going through an addiction, okay? Because right. there are different boundaries you have to set for that. So I just wanted to clarify that things that we talk about, I'm talking about your what we call a, a typical a healthy. relationship, healthy, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. not not something where you're a, a counselor or someone else is advising you to do something differently. So I just want to throw that out there. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a mental health counselor. I do not deal with addiction. I'm just talking about your usual family relationships when are that are fairly healthy or that you're trying to you know just grow in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
0: and the, and the truth is everybody's unique. So the things that we talk about in each generation is are generalities that may or you may
1: or may not fit in that. Yeah. You you may not identify, or you may say, well, my, my kid's not like that, or my parents not like that. And that's okay. This is a, when we talk about generations, I kind of see it like the river that's going down the mountain. Okay. And so over time, rocks move, things shift and you've got the stream starts Mm -hmm. going different directions. And so it's a general shift, but the path is kind of the same. So you may have some that don't fall onto the outside of that shift. They may be staying more towards the center of the path, but there is a shift. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's just a shift in society. And really we talk about generations. And one of the things that my friend Mick Ukleha, who wrote Managing the Millennials said is that generations are made up of parents, politics, and pop culture. So as those things change, as parenting styles change, as pop culture changes, as politics change, it influences that generation. Boy, is that obvious today, right? And when you think about that, I mean, look at
2: how politics have changed how people behave. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's very
1: obvious. And Pop culture, even yesterday, <clears throat> Carol mentioned something about the news and how when we mm, were younger, uh-huh. the news was on at five and 11. And you probably remember, I remember Walter Cronkite, he would read the news mm-hmm. and it was just the facts, ma'am. I mean, we no were dragging that in that news. <laughs> <Right>. No opinion. <laughs> right. It was, I'm gonna sit here in my suit, I'm mm-hmm. gonna read the news and today in Southwestern Florida, da da da, and he just read the news. And then we got into the 80s and we had a change because we had the first cable news network, CNN. And that changed things because now we we went from Walter Cronkite, just right. the facts to Geraldo Rivera and Geraldo is out and they're bombing next to him. And you can see, and I'm in the middle of the bombs. And it was all about evoking emotion. Yeah. And all of a sudden the news became one, 24 seven, and two, because you've got to keep interest 24 seven, it has to become more of a drama, right? Mm-hmm. It's so, entertainment. Yeah. Yes. It's so now I am yeah. evoking emotion mm-hmm. and that is how it has stayed. Wow. And so now we've got all of these 24 hour news places and news on and all And they're the all time. trying to be the, And they're all trying to influence. They're all trying to grab your emotions because this is why we remember things based on emotion. If it's just facts, we don't remember it. You remember um, Maya Angelou said, people don't remember what you say or what you do. They remember how you made them feel. Feel. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens with the news is they try to get us to feel. So we remember them and like, Mm -hmm. that's just crazy. It's just the opposite. We, they don't want us to make up our own mind. I don't think they want us to feel (laughs) So uh-huh. that we're involved and so mm-hmm. we share their opinion. Mm-hmm. And with our kids, understand that now we have an all-emotional thing all the time. Their emotions are tapped out. Mm-hmm. They are overwhelmed. And now you add into the fact that, you know, in, in my parents' generation, they were looking at the assassinations of presidents, you know, Kennedy, oh, sure. mm-hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King. They were looking at that. My kids are looking at assassinations that happened in their own school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you went from way out there and it was devastating to now I'm afraid to go to school, which is where I have to go every day because anything could happen at any time. You can't count on something not happening. Just recently, there was an issue in our local school and they had to send the police. I mean, they caught it in time. Someone made threats. It was a student. They caught it. I'm sure that person needs some help. I have compassion and empathy for that, but I know that my daughter was afraid to go to school. Mm-hmm. And the school was full of the sheriff's office, mm-hmm. because those are scary things that happen when somebody's overwhelmed mm-hmm. with their emotions, they can't contain it, mm-hmm. it spills out. And really, others. the
2: news has made it very real. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, and as we said yesterday, the smartphone
0: in your hand, News 24-7, <coughs> uh, social media, and so you're not even getting facts. I think you're right, Dawn, they're getting emotion all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. They're getting people's opinions, they're getting people's whatever. And so so the facts get lost in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, reality kind of blurs a little bit. And and fear rises to the top because yeah. that's mm-hmm. what they're mongering. They're yeah. mongering mm-hmm. that emotion. Well, and, and they're so
2: easily swayed by opinion. You know, they hear an opinion and to them, it becomes a fact because somebody said it. Yeah. And it's hard to counteract that because they believe, I mean, if it's on TV, surely it's yeah. true.
1: I love um, a friend of mine had posted on Facebook a little while ago and she was posted something that was really meaningful, but she said something that really caught my eye, which was God is not a God of opinions. God is the God of relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's, again, we drive back to establishing communication mm-hmm. with our family members, our friends, our employees, whatever is understanding that we are not, if we are wanting to be like him, then we want to be people of relationship, not people of opinions. And i think that's really important Mm -hmm. going forward Mm -hmm. it's
3: really interesting too because i I, you know we we talk about all that negative stuff but at the same time all those tools can also help us to spread the gospel and share the word of god Mm -hmm. and all those things and i was a scripture came to my mind yesterday and i was i want to read a little bit of it just because it talks about telling the next generation about the lord this is psalm 78 it says listen dear friends to god's truth Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll let you in on the sweet old truth, stories we heard from our fathers, counsel we learned at our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things he has done. And then it just goes on to talk about those generations. And I just think that, you know, we are we're all bombarded by those negative things but those same tools can help us to tell the next generation about the lord you know and so that's exciting
2: one of the things that i think would be important would be for people who are um maybe in the builders or in the baby boomer generation maybe even your younger ones (laughs) would be to write about your family history and the things that you remember from your parents or the things that they taught you. Because as you were talking about that and you were reading that, I was thinking about right after my dad passed away, one of the things that I had a huge concern for was that my grandchildren would remember Grandpa Schrock, which is why I wrote the book I wrote about him because I did not want them to forget the mm-hmm. stories. I didn't want the stories to be lost. So now, right now, I don't know that any of my grandchildren have shown a lot of interest in those books. However, mm-hmm the day will come when that book will become valuable to them and they will have something that they can go back and read and learn from Grandpa who's no longer here. And how many of us take time to do that? I mean, I think every family should have that.
1: I think you're right. Because
2: if we take time to write down what we have learned in life, the lessons that we have learned, the things that we have gone through that made us who we are in generations to come, there's going to be children, great-grandchildren, who knows who reading those things and saying, man, this is such foundational stuff. I wish I'd have known this when, you mm-hmm. know, and not I think... only
1: that, but it gives the opportunity to inspire absolutely long after uh-huh. somebody is gone yes. because so many of those things I know with your dad and with my dad, they refer to those times as their only God moments. Yes. Those only God moments mm-hmm. are so inspirational because they build your faith because uh-huh. you see what what God did mm-hmm. and then it's like, wow, if God did that for my grandpa, then I think God could do that for me right. too. Right, and So that's really important to continue to inspire and bring hope to right. the future. But that's, those
0: stories are
2: lost if they're not
0: written down. That's the whole Old Testament remember and tell mm-hmm. it to your children and yes. build this memorial. Remember what God did because we all need those Memorials, whether it's writing it down or maybe even recording it, mm-hmm. getting that history somehow in the hands of the younger mm-hmm. generation. Missy, mm-hmm. we yesterday, well,
3: you and Joanne, you talked about how your grandkids call you and say, I need to talk to you. But I was just thinking about, you know when people are ready it's because you built relationship with them and so if you would call them and say i've got some things to tell you you know i want you to sit down and listen to this it would be completely different conversation Mm -hmm. but it's like when people like you said joanne when you write a book when they're ready you Mm -hmm. know you can sit and tell them all those things be like sit down i got something to tell you and it would go so far Mm -hmm. but when people are ready to listen then you have an yeah. audience where they're ready to learn
1: right and so those are beautiful moments. and even in that they'll learn different things at different times mm-hmm. having that book yes. they'll refer to that yes. but certain things will stand out at one all. moment other yes. things are going to stand out at another yes.
2: and i would encourage everybody to do that write some things down because those things are lost if you do not it's very important it's beautiful so all right okay so if we would start looking at the builders yes um I I was looking at this and you know, so I see my, my dad in this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I look at the years here from 1925 to 1945. So basically if you were born in those within those years, this is who you tend to be.
1: Yes, this, you may, you may have some of these likenesses. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So builders, they have a high value for hard work. Um, they authority is really important. Just as important as hard work delayed gratification. This is the generation that uh, many of them were willing to work 30 years to retire and get the gold watch. You know, they worked 30 years in one place, retire. They kind of had the plan. They are looking for stability. Mm -hmm. So a lot of part of the builders' history is because they were coming out of the Great Depression and World Wars, and so in operating that, they were looking to build security for their families. Mm -hmm. So because of that, they had this real high value for hard work, let's rebuild the country, let's get in there and do what we need to do to set up something. safe for the and, future well, and, I, and when i think of that generation i think
2: of people who worked physically hard oh yeah you know it, it was like i talk. i remember my dad talking about working in, in the uh uh brick kilns and, and hauling brick he used to say he hauled brick you know and it was like cleaning out the kilns and physical hard work, and he always felt satisfied at the end of the day because he
1: worked hard. Yeah. So. And they're, and we're they're really to... big about that, and they were. They were also taught to respect social order. So they were very like hierarchy was super important. It mm-hmm. was like if they were in the military, you know, you got your commanding ranks, you have, you respected authority. Mm-hmm. If you were working in a company or in a factory, it was, who is the, you know, who's the manager, who's the shift manager, who's that, and you always went by the hierarchy and mm-hmm. that was really important to mm-hmm. you. And so with builders, one of the things is pop culture was a lot about the war. If you look at songs, if you look at movies, even happy holiday movies, like white Christmas focused around the war, mm-hmm. everything was focused around those efforts. And there was this message about, um, you know, our, nationality, you know, being patriotic. There was messages about authority and hierarchy. There was messages in their in their media about even in their music, Boogie Woogie Boogie Boy. I mean popular songs were wrote about the army. Mm-hmm. That was very normal. So um, that was a lot of what influenced them and they were coming into a time where they were really looking to build the country. You know, roads, building roads, building railways, building there was things that they were doing to really build the country, to set up the future security. And because they had been through things like the Great Depression, there was a real fear of not having food, of not having work. Mm-hmm. Work was highly valued because it wasn't a guarantee. Well, you know, the thing that's amazing about that when you talk about not having food and
2: having this fear of certain things, a lot of those people still live that way. Absolutely. You yes. know, you can tell oh, yeah. that that was a major part of their life growing up because they still are concerned about those things. I mean, yeah, I I see that around me. Oh, I cleaned
1: out my grandma's stuff when she was moving into the nursing home. And it was like, she had a whole cupboard full of parquet margarine dishes. I mean there must have there were hundreds. Yeah. And Recycle it was cycle reuse started yeah. with them. Really. Recycle yes. reuse. It, yeah, it did. And that was, you know, she had a drawer full of used aluminum foil. Yeah. Her freezer was full of this coffee creamer that she liked. It wasn't supposed to go in the freezer, <laughs> but grandma just wanted to make sure she had it. Uh-huh. And those were because yes. there was definitely they went through lack. Grandma didn't have shoes most of the time growing up. I mean uh-huh. there were things that they just didn't have. So they viewed things and that's why kids, children did not take the central focus like they do then because they were survivalists so mm-hmm. it was it was all about work not being there for the kids because they were trying to provide so the kids could survive mm-hmm. and so that of course feed parenting the kids. was different sure yeah you gotta feed the kids when
3: everybody helped you know yes. that was a very farm mentality too yeah. where everybody had grew their food or you know you, do, you couldn't you didn't have access to everything i remember too my grandma she's saved bread bags you know like <laughs> she just had tons of bread bags you could use those for anything
0: now my grandma uh hooked them into rugs so plastic rugs because you know reused everything so yeah that's that was a mentality of mm-hmm. absolutely using they're what actually you had. saying now that
1: generation z resembles the builders more than any generation in between there so it's going to repeat itself uh-huh Which, they pull back uh-huh. to some of those things because they're very into recycle oh. reuse yes that's true. um and then also even though Mor- Morality-wise, they may not seem as conservative. In a lot of other things, they are. I There's wonder if that high will level change of anxiety, too. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I just know, kind but, of wonder about some of. Those but there things. is a lot of. They're mm-hmm. seeing a lot more similarities between those generations than say between Generation Z and the Baby Boomers. There's definitely more similarities mm-hmm. between the builders. Interesting. So it's interesting. Yeah. 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 So to communicate with those people, my people like my grandma. She's passed on now, but one-on-one communication's best. To ask questions and listen closely. Um, they may not be likely to give an opinion unless they are asked. Be respectful to notice and call up the greatness in them, and to prefer—they prefer a more formal communication, whether it's written or oral. Um, they, you know, they want it to look right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, I, and when when I look at this, I think about in today's society if you get something in the mail that's hand addressed, mm-hmm. that's the first thing you're going to open because it's a personal thing, Yes, and very few things today are personal. That is true. And so when I look at this and I, and I look at, you know, a, a handwritten, the value of something that's handwritten, most kids today have never seen a handwritten letter.
1: That's true, yeah.
2: I mean, think about, yeah. you know, I mean, I remember growing up and having a pen pal, you know, in another country, and we would write letters back and forth and wait for weeks for these letters to come back and forth, and how different that is today. But that handwritten, the value of something handwritten. I love that.
1: So there's other things there. Um, They're very private. Discretion is important to avoid using slang. Those are just little things that you can use when you're talking with people from that generation. to Just remember that. uh, And if if you have to produce an image for them, to remember that emotional images that play to what they value, like family and belonging, are important to them. So at that age, we're getting to the point where family is important and feeling like. You've got your community. It's mm-hmm. really important. Security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very interesting. So, you know, our next category is baby boomers. And since we've got a couple of those at our uh-huh. table today, <laughs> right here, <laughs> <my> friends, <laughs> me and you, uh, you can confirm or deny. <laughs> but, no, baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. And so that's the kind of their year range. A couple things about baby boomers is they live to work. That's one of the my, things. Every we one we of say. my
2: children would say that's true. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and not I'm m- trying. To, mine, I'm but... trying to to change that. Yeah. You know, I mean, because after all, I am getting to the age where I, you know could think about retirement. Um, but you know, that's something I remember. My dad always had a hard time thinking about retirement, and I always thought that's crazy. Who wouldn't want to retire? But now it's me, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, Dad. I should have been more understanding. Yeah.
1: It's hard to lose that. It is. Yeah, it's it is hard to lose that when it's important well, And and, I,
2: and when I was looking at this, uh, later on down through these descriptions, I understand why that is so important to me. So we'll go on and I'll yeah. point that
1: out when we get there. So a couple <laughs> things about, about baby boomers is uh, forever young like baby boomers want to run fast jump high throw hard like that's they want to stay younger if you think about I think I see you guys and your baby boomers I think about my grandma who was a builder at your same age she seems so much older than either of you oh seem. absolutely so it is that thing to say <laughs> yeah. to stay uh, you know to stay yeah. younger to yeah. stay mm-hmm. more active to stay mm-hmm. more involved I would in say things. that's true yes. yeah and uh I am what I do a lot of times that's with boomers, exactly why that's the greeting mm-hmm. it's like oh hi I'm Don I'm Joanne I'm What do you do? Like, that's how we get to know each other. And I
2: think that's, you know, when when I see the live to work, it's because it's my identity. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, and don't you think your generation, like, that's when women started to more be in the workforce Mm -hmm. more regularly or whatever our grandparents
2: my life's goal was to work
0: (laughs) it was still a challenge to be a woman in the workplace do you know what i'm saying like if you made it there you it it took a lot to get there and it took a lot to stay and it
2: also it it, something that happened this week is i mean i didn't mean to be mean but evidently i was
0: (laughs) No, oh, never, <laughs> <laughs> never. Well,
2: there were some guys working on our property. They didn't ask permission to work on our property, and, and it was fine. They needed to do what they needed to do, and they were cleaning out my woods uh, for some utility work that's being done. And so I was sitting outside, and I was watching them, and they were they had the wood chipper there to take all the branches and chip up the branches. But instead of chipping them up, they were hauling them off into my woods and dumping them. And just making a big pile of all this stuff. So I went over and I said, excuse me, is there a reason you're hauling all these branches and dumping them into my woods? Don't you have a wood chipper sitting down here? I mean, they were so offended.
3: Really? Oh my
2: goodness. I After I left, they came in to talk to me and they said, we don't like being yelled at. And I thought... <laughs> (laughs) how
3: old were they
0: (laughs) let's get to that that generation
2: (laughs) you know it's like to me I was just thinking what are you doing I mean you're being paid to take care of this you've got the wood chipper sitting right here why are you hauling this stuff off and dumping it in my woods and so you know but when I look at this I see that I have worked hard all my life I am and I see my identity as being part of who I am but because I'm a female I probably came across stronger than I needed to because they're in a man's world. And so in order for me to be heard, Mm -hmm. I have a tendency to come across strong because I've had to mm-hmm. as a female, because yeah. I get taken advantage of, unfortunately, by men
1: when they think that I'm just a weak female.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> And I think that's especially because with that type of thing, I think the area of the world that we live in has changed a little slower mm-hmm. than maybe uh-huh. some of the rest mm-hmm. of the world. <laughs> yes, women in our area don't act like that. <laughs> and so I feel like maybe it's a little more... That's probably true. Yeah. It's a little more I'm, highlighted. expected. <laughs> I know, because I run into that myself. Yes.
2: <laughs> so it's like, oops.
1: But yeah, so with the baby boomers, they were parented by the builders, the survivors, the trainers, we talked about them a little bit, and they wanted their children to have a better life. So they paved the way for their children, but that ended up in culminating with the me decade. The 1980s is called the me decade. And so because it became when, when baby boomers were coming of age, like starting to enter the workforce in their 20s, and their, it became a very around the world, centered around that person. And so it became about me, It became my identity, my work, my all of those kind of things. Uh, Some of the other influence were Dr. Spock's The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care. That book came out during the Builder's Generation, and while not a lot of them uh, took it in during the next generation. You started to see a lot more of that written up in parenting magazines. It came in articles. It came in Phil Donahue. Remember Phil Donahue? You know, oh, yes. they'd be talking to people, and they would. The it became more common. And so uh, the reason I bring that up is to understand how parenting has evolved to where it is mm-hmm. now. You have to trace back the roots and understand that these roots they didn't just start overnight. That common sense book of baby and child care was like from the nineteen forties. Okay. It started there, but it became popularized through people's opinions, through talk shows, through magazine articles, through, and some people now would maybe never even heard of that book, Mm -hmm. but they're using a lot of the content from that book as it became popularized through different streams. So I think that's really interesting. Um, they were taught to save and for delayed gratification, you have to earn it. You earned mm-hmm. the respect. You earned the authority. You earned the privilege, and they have a deep respect for hierarchy and authority. One thing I think was really funny is I always knew growing up. I worked in a call center my whole life, and I was running my dad's company. If I would answer the phone, they would say, "I need to, teach to speak to a manager." And I say, "Well, I can help you." Well, then I need to speak to your manager. Well, I was the CEO. Like <laughs> I don't really have a manager. I'm the CEO. Then I need to speak to the owner because they didn't want to talk to me because I'm a girl. Uh huh. And they wanted a higher authority than me Mm -hmm. and so it was like wow okay (laughs) (laughs) anyway so that's kind of but that's but that's from historical it's not i want to just really emphasize it's not because someone was trying to offend me Mm -hmm. it was because of their realm of how they understood their perspective how they took yeah so it's not you have i needed to get myself out of taking that personally Mm -hmm. and understanding this is not personal this is somebody's culture that's been created, that now I am coming outside of it and they're kind of not sure what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Interesting because it does change how you look at things uh, and, and you look at the different
2: generations and why they are the way they are. I love this of looking back and saying, it came from this. And if you can consider the surroundings and the things that were going on in a certain time period, how it shaped and formed opinions and beliefs and who you were and, so on and so on. I mean, that makes it very interesting uh, because it does kind of give you a better understanding of why people communicate or don't communicate the way that they do. So, and you know. Once again, this day has gone so quickly that we're going to have to break it off here uh, and start, we'll pick up with uh, baby boomers again tomorrow. So uh, listeners, come back and and find out who you are if you're a baby boomer. (laughs) Find out who you are. (laughs) And uh, we look forward to having you back. So join us again tomorrow here in the Circle of Friends.